Did you know that we are actually in control of 80% of our own health? Hello and welcome back to another episode of Simply Ayurveda, a place where we learn how to apply the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda into our everyday lives so that we can learn to put our health back into our own hands. I am your host, Julia, and speaking of putting our health back into our own hands, that is exactly what we will be diving into today. Ayurveda teaches us a lot as to how we can take preventative measures to protect and preserve our health. Ayurveda also teaches us that we are in control of a lot more of our health than we may think. Did you know that we are actually in control of 80% of our own health? That is a very empowering percentage of health that we have in our hands. And almost all of this 80% comes from what we digest. And I'm not just talking about the food we eat. Because we digest so much more information than just what comes from our food. We are all familiar with the saying, you are what you eat. But I think it's time we finally rewrite that statement to we are what we digest. Ayurveda looks far beyond just what we eat when it comes to our health, and it actually outlines four main pillars of our human consumption. This concept in Ayurveda is known as ahara, and the word ahara in Sanskrit means anything we take into our body to nourish our body and mind. These four pillars under ahara include our food, water, breath, and perceptions. We are all familiar with the importance of food, water, and breath. And unfortunately, perceptions is the one that oftentimes gets overlooked. Our perceptions include all of the information that we gather through the sense organs. So everything we see, watch, listen to, hear, feel, and touch. Our food, water, breath, and perceptions all contribute to what we digest. In Ayurveda, these four inputs are considered as some of the most important aspects to our health. Our food, water, breath, our spirit, our emotional health, and our beliefs, those help determine so much about our overall health. And these days, you know, we are constantly being stimulated from our computer screen, our phones, the TV, advertisements, news headlines, TikToks. I mean, we are constantly consuming as a society. And so becoming aware of these things that we take in has actually never been more important. So today I'm going to walk you through the Ayurvedic perspective on these four main inputs of Ahara as well as some tips on how to create more balance in your day-to-day lives. So let's start with the food that we eat. We all know we need food to survive. It's what becomes the building blocks for our bodies, from our cells to our tissues and our muscles and our bones. But today I want to talk about the what, when, and how. What we eat, when we eat, and how we eat. What we eat refers to making sure that we're prioritizing those wholesome, organic, locally grown, seasonal fruits and veggies, making sure that we're eating more warm cooked meals rather than raw meals, 
And when it comes to when we eat, we talked about this in detail in the circadian rhythms episode. So if you missed that episode, then definitely go back and give it a listen. But we want to make sure that we're having a nourishing breakfast by 8.30, our biggest and heartiest meal by 1, and then a light, easy-to-digest dinner by 7 or 7.30 p.m. Honoring these natural circadian cycles by eating in a timely manner is actually the perfect recipe for balancing digestion. But what I really want us to focus on is how to eat. So put a finger down if you sit down for a delicious, nourishing meal that you are so excited to dive into, but then as you start eating, you are simultaneously scrolling on your phone, working on your computer, or staring at the TV. We are all guilty of it. And while it might seem innocent, how we eat is actually more important than what we eat and even when we eat. And I'm going to tell you why. Getting proper nutrients through what we eat is one thing. However, if our mind is distracted or disturbed when we are eating, this natural phenomenon happens in the body where it no longer feels safe. And this is because the body is trying to do one task, which is digest the food, but your mind is being stimulated and pulled into another task, such as scrolling or watching a show. And so when this happens, we have these opposite flows of energy. We have the energy in the stomach trying to digest the food, and we have the energy in the mind, which is digesting what you're consuming through your sense organs. And so when you have this opposite flow of energy, this body feels unsafe and essentially goes into a survival mode. So you could be eating the most nutritious and most balancing meal, but if you are eating while your mind is distracted with something else, your meal will instantly become more difficult to digest, difficult to absorb the nutrients, and the nutrients will have a hard time assimilating through all the tissues and organs. This is a major cause for gas, bloating, indigestion, heartburn, acid reflux, and poor nutrition. This is why Ayurveda really emphasizes eating in a calm environment with no distraction. The body and mind are unable to give its attention in multiple areas. We are not capable of multitasking. The body cannot digest while the mind is also digesting. That's why mindful eating is such an important practice that we really need to give more attention to. Especially if you are someone who often struggles with what I just listed off. Indigestion, heartburn, even irregular bowel movements. Mindful eating can and will go such a long way. So next time you have a meal, have a seat, take a beautiful deep breath, and take 10 to 15 minutes to enjoy your food. I promise you that if you try this for a few days, for a week, even one day, you will immediately notice the difference in how you feel. Next, let's talk about our water consumption. One of Ayurveda's universal rules is to avoid ice-cold water or any ice-cold beverage in general. And I know this might be upsetting to hear, and please don't hate me, I am just the messenger, but let me explain why Ayurveda says no to ice water. I've said it many times now, but everything in Ayurveda revolves around our digestion. Our digestion, the way we digest, 
and our digestive fire is the root source for nearly every single imbalance. And so when we drink something that is ice cold, this is the quickest and easiest way to quite literally dampen that digestive fire. Our bodies are set to a natural temperature of 98 degrees Fahrenheit, 37 degrees Celsius. So when we drink something that is ice cold, we are literally shocking our system. This is the same way when you get that shock when you take an ice cold shower or you do a polar plunge or an ice bath. That same shock happens when we drink something ice cold. And so the same way your body has to exert a level of energy when you are in that ice bath, your body has to exert extra energy to make that ice cold drink something that the body can process and digest. All of that energy the body needs to do that ends up depleting us because the body has to pull that energy from somewhere. And so it usually pulls it from other systems like our metabolism, for instance. So as quenching as it may feel, it's actually doing more harm than good. You always want to opt for room temperature or warm water. Sip it slowly, don't chug, and your system will feel a whole lot better and likely less bloated. Next up is our breath. The one thing that stays with us for our entire lifetime from birth until death. Breath is our most powerful force that Western science really pays little attention to. Without breath, there is no prana, which means life force. Breath is what governs every single function in the body. How many times during the day do you actually check in with how you're breathing? We spend so much time in our heads that we really forget to tune into our body and our breath. The quality of our breathing directly impacts the quality of our life. It plays such a vital role in how we think, how we feel, how we rest, recover, even our posture and movement. And there is a difference between our automatic respiratory that happens in the background without us paying attention, and then there is the voluntary movement of breathing that we can control at will. When we intentionally monitor and adjust the mechanics of our breathing, we actually have the ability to tap directly into our nervous system. This is what impacts our heart rate, our blood pressure, our stress response, and even our brain state. If you're not driving, I want you to put one hand on your chest and one hand on your stomach. Which part of your body rises with your breath? Many times we are stuck in a shallow upper chest breathing pattern. This pulls us into a fight or flight mode and can contribute to feelings of agitation, anxiety, and depression. Now I want you to notice what happens when you include your belly in your breathing. I want you to imagine the breath going in through the nose, all the way down your spine to your hips, filling your belly and your chest with air. And then imagine the air going back up your spine and out through your nose. This is how we voluntarily breathe. This is how we take control of our breath. And this is how we learn how to self-regulate our nervous system. This is also why meditation and yoga all emphasize the importance of breath work, also known as pranayama. 
And did you know that meditation actually provides the nervous system with a type of rest and relaxation that is five times deeper than sleep? So becoming aware of your breath just a few times a day will greatly impact how you feel and your overall state of well-being. Add it to your to-do list if you have to, schedule it in, put it as an alarm on your phone to check in with your breath. Take a few deep belly breaths daily, especially when you're feeling stressed or anxious, and I promise you will unlock an entirely new superpower of yours. Moving on to our fourth and final input, we have our perceptions. Our perceptions are how we see life and how we take in the world around us. And while most of us consider how we feed our body, what we don't often consider is how we feed our mind. And to have health of the body and of the soul, both of those really depend on health of the mind. You cannot have a healthy body or a healthy spirit if your mind is not being taken care of. Our mental state has so much power over our quality of life. So we're not just feeding our body, but we are nourishing our entire being. And I really could dedicate an entire episode to mind care. I mean, I could dedicate an entire season, but we will talk a little bit more about it in a few weeks as we approach May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. But for now, I will keep things a little more simple. Our perceptions come in through the sense organs. And our perceptions are formed based on what we see and watch, what we hear and choose to listen to, what we feel, who we surround ourselves with, what we eat, and how we breathe. We already talked about food and breath, so let's look at what we watch, listen to, and who we surround ourselves with. There are millions of thoughts that cross our mind every hour of the day. And these thoughts are formed by our perceptions, what we listen to, what we watch, and who we surround ourselves with. Those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions, those beliefs all communicate with every single aspect of your biology every single second. And it can be so easy to attach ourselves to some of these thoughts. When we attach ourselves to negative thoughts or experiences, this becomes our reality. And I'm not talking about turning a blind eye to the things that are happening in our world or in your personal life because turning a blind eye would be considered as ignorance. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the importance of really considering the quality of information that we take in on a daily basis. And I have two tips to help with this. One might be obvious, but it is to meditate. There really is no beating around the bush when it comes to mind care being life care. In order to detach yourself from any negative thinking or thought pattern, you need to create space. The mind is predominantly made up of the elements of space and air. And when we have space and air together, we get movement. So, hence the movement of thought. And so when there is so much movement of thought, we need to create more space so that the thoughts have more room to move. And, you know, meditation is not about controlling or stopping thoughts from coming in, which is a huge misconception. 
Meditating is about becoming an observer of your thoughts rather than attaching yourself to a thought or feeling. So the more that we can create space between the millions of thoughts that travel through our head on a daily basis, the more clearly we can decide, is this thought beneficial for me or not? And I don't want to dive too deep into this topic because it really does deserve its own episode, but I want you to think about that next time. Whenever you find yourself in an overwhelming thought pattern or you have racing thoughts, try to take a step back in your head and try to become an observer of all the thoughts that are traveling and ask yourself, does this belief or thought or emotion or whatever it is, does it suit me and my best interest? Because just thinking about a negative experience can actually set off a cascade of physiological events in the body as if it's happening right now. So that's as if that negative experience isn't happening just once, but twice or three times or however many times you replay it in your head. This is a prime example of how our mind can physically make us sick. And so the best way to organize and deal with these thoughts and emotions is to do some sort of meditation whatever meditation means to you, in order to allow more space so that the nervous system can return back to center. And then my second tip for managing perceptions is to do a seasonal audit of your life. What are you filling your brain with? Is it mindless information on the internet or is it information that benefits you in some way for your greater good? What kind of books are you reading? What kind of music are you listening to? What are you watching or listening to first thing when you wake up? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it inspirational? Ask yourself, how does this make me feel? And, you know, who are you associating yourself with? Look at who is in your circle and who you are spending a majority of your time with. Do they uplift you? Do they support you and have your best interest at heart? Or do they make you feel badly about yourself and drain your energy? When you do these seasonal reflections and really look at what you are feeding yourself and your life with, then it gives you a greater awareness as to where you can begin to make some improvements. Because to change the mind, we must change what we feed it. And we do that by examining all four of these inputs. Unless what we put into the mind changes, then we cannot expect to change what comes out of it. So that is the introduction to Ahara and the four main inputs of our consumption and our digestion. I hope you found some of these tips helpful, and these inputs will continuously pop up as we continue to expand our conversation around Ayurveda. Always remember, we are empowered with the ability to control 80% of our own health, and it all starts by what we feed ourselves through these inputs our food, our breath, our water, and our perceptions. Whenever you work with any Ayurvedic counselor or practitioner, there is a lot of focus that goes around these inputs. And it's the exact reason why I created my three-month coaching program, where we work together and you have weekly support to make these small modifications in order to bring more balance into your health and lifestyle. Our body and mind are capable of so much change and adaptation. It all starts with you being open and willing to introduce new change into your life. Once you do, your entire life will change and become more aligned with who you are. I'm sending you all light and love, 
As always, thank you all so much for being here. And until next time, I will talk to you next Tuesday. Bye.